Hey everyone, welcome or welcome back to the Quaybog Church podcast. At the end of this episode, take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel or check us out on Facebook. That way you'll have access to fresh content every week. But most importantly, we hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey because our mission here at Quaybog is to help you worship, connect, and serve. Enjoy! Our leadership team is going over our church constitution, our bylaws, and our statement of faith. And we're just not revamping them, but we're trimming out what doesn't need to be there. We're bringing clarity from other things. And our leadership team right now is trying to make sure that how that is structured is what we see in Scripture. Now, that doesn't sound like a very exciting thing at all to you guys. I understand that. It is to me because it's like for me as a pastor here, this is how we're going to operate. So making sure that, yes, we are, in fact, looking to Scripture and we're doing this right. Because I titled this series, We Smell Like Sheep. And uh, I think that's one of the best examples that Jesus gave us, one of the best metaphors that Jesus used for his church is that we are sheep. And you'll see in a minute why I think that. But I base this off of something that Jesus said and something that's talked a lot about in the New Testament because I want to make sure as your pastor that I'm not just flying by the seat of my pants, that I'm not just making stuff up as I go. Uh, because when you hear the word church, what comes to mind? So just thinking to yourself, you know, what, what comes to mind? What do you think of? Some people are going to think, oh yeah, like the sheep and the shepherd, like they will think that. Other people, though, because of their experiences, are going to think that it's confusing. Or they're going to think something that, about something that wounded them. They're going to think it's toxic. They're going to think it's hypocritical. They're going to think it's not necessary. Right? There will be people even here watching that are going to think that. On the other side of that coin, some people are going to think, oh man, there's people that are genuine that are loving, that have helped me through the most difficult times in my life. They're compassionate, they're loving, they told me the truth when I needed to hear it. They told me when I was telling lies, like they're, like when I believed lies, like that is going to be some people's experience. But our experiences drive our answer to the question, what we think about when we see that word or hear that word. And then still others are going to think it's like a service station, like it's like somewhere you go for an oil change, right? Like it's a mechanic, like I go get my spiritual tune-up when I need them. Right? Or they're not going to think really people at all. They're just going to think, oh, church is a place. It's a building. So we're all over the map, what we think about when we see church. And some of those things are rightly earned. <clears throat> Even some of the negative ones, the toxic ones, the hypocritical ones. Some of those thoughts in people are earned. They're not mistaken. They're people that have been in churches that have said they're followers of Jesus that destroyed people. Right? And sometimes it's just, it's just, it's not even on purpose. It's just something accidental that was said. I, as your pastor, have wounded many people over the years because I said something flippantly. Or I was misunderstood and I didn't have a chance to even talk to them about it. But man, they were just so wounded by what I said or did, or a look that I gave or didn't give, or I said hi the wrong way. Like, I mean, it's, I've had all across the map and I've always had to come back to, all right, has this person been wounded before? And now they're thinking, Pastor Kyle didn't say hi when he walked by. And here it is again, just happening again. They just don't care about me. I'm not seen here. When really, in my mind, I've just got bazillions of things in my mind, right? I'm just not thinking, right? But so that's what we bring to the table when we think about church, or we think about small groups, or things associated with the church and its people. And so because of that, that's why, because of redoing and, and going over, revamping the church constitution, bylaws, and our statement of faith, making sure they're accurate and trimmed down, I wanted to teach through what church actually should be. 
not what it's become, but what it should be, and what we're trying to get to here in this church. And then also, because of that, I want to talk about church leadership, because leadership and uh, submitting to leadership is not a great idea for a lot of people. That leaves a sour taste in their mouth, because of, for some of the reasons we'll talk about, um, people have been wounded by those types of things. So how should I lead? How should our leaders lead here? We're going to get into that during this series as well. So the church, leadership, what is your part in it? What is church membership? All of those things. Because regardless of what you think about when you see that word, I want you to know and understand through this series that what Jesus said is that it was going to be something powerful, life-changing, and redemptive. It should be something that points people to a hope in Jesus Christ. It's something so powerful, as we read this morning, that the gates of Hades wouldn't be able to stand against it. This is something very otherworldly and very powerful, and it's amazing to give yourself to, but it's also messy. And that's why we have Worship Connect and Serve all over our church. Again, this is a personal thing, a vision we want for the future for all of us to embody this exceptional worship in my own life, that I'm focusing my life on the life giver. Connection, that I'm stepping into those messy places where God is at work that I'm stepping into those messy places where God is at work, where I might hurt somebody, and somebody might hurt me, and I'm going to need to assume the best and maybe talk to that person if that actually happens. Because that's what Jesus says to do in Matthew 18. Go to that person. Let them know that they hurt you, right? And then that serve part, that because of my love for God and other people, I just want to serve. So this is, this is important to us. It's, it's a, again, a part of our vision statement because this is what Jesus gave us. Because if we do this right, if we can manage to get church 90% right here at Quaybog, that's going to introduce people to Jesus, like legitimately. That's going to set people free from addictions and hurts and things in their past. It's going to open people up to the hope of eternity in Jesus Christ. Like, we'll get to be a part of that. Our mission statement, love God, love people, help them start and grow a relationship with Jesus Christ. We're going to be able to actually do that if we become the church that Jesus has envisioned and Jesus talked to us about. So the question to consider during this series, every week we're going to be looking back at this question. What did Jesus say? What did he think? What did he have in mind when he talked about church to his disciples? And then what did they do with that information? Like, what did they do? How did they do church? Like, what changed the world? How did they actually do that? Right? Because that's a factual thing. The book of Acts happened historically. It's not just a fairy tale in the Bible. The book of Acts is a historical account of something that we know happened. So how did they do that? How did, like, the church spread all over the world? What were they doing? Like, those are the kind of questions that we want to be able to ask during the series. And then to start us off, at the most basic point, we want to answer that question, what is church? And what does it mean to actually belong? Like, what do we just do up here with church membership? But there's two things I want us to consider that affect us all. To answer this question, I think, honestly, we have to address just two. There's many others, but we have to understand the soup that we swim in, right? What is our culture like, and how do we think? So one major obstacle to church is that it is an institution. So the Gallup poll was run this year, and Gallup does all kinds of polls, you know, they're social scientists. They did a poll this year about how people, how Americans feel about institutions. And they are all, every last one of them, at the lowest level of trust and confidence, or they're nearing their lowest ever trust and confidence by the American people. Those are, just a handful here, these are not all of them. Next slide. School, government, Wall Street, medical slash healthcare system, police, marriage, news media, and what? The church is an institution as well, right? 
So you can probably look at this list and find two, three, four, or maybe all of these things that you have felt like have let us down recently. Because these all, in that poll, it was really abysmal, uh, the, the amount of trust and confidence that the American people have in these institutions as of this year. So that's a big obstacle for us. And that affects you sitting here today as a Christian, because if you really doubt these other things because of their leadership, because of the people that populate these institutions, that's going to start to sneak into how you feel about church. Subconsciously, it just does. That's just how it works, right? We, just, we transfer that. So that's something we need to be aware of, and it's a reason we need to be really authentic Jesus followers here, because this is a super swimming in. Now, number two, another thing that really affects us is that we are hyper-individualized in America. I mean crazy, crazy hyper-individualized. What I mean by that is we believe, hook, line, and sinker, things like follow your heart, as long as you're happy, you'll be fine, live your truth, and be true to yourself. Things like this, they sound good because they get said all the time and they're short and snappy, but if you follow that, those are really actually lonely statements. And they're going to get you to a pretty lonely place. And you're going to end up at a, all alone because you've cut everybody out of your life that doesn't align with your truth, doesn't, isn't following your heart, Right? And isn't like really what you want out of life. And so if you're not careful and you start eating that stuff, man, you're going to be pretty lonely. But again, it's the soup we swim in. So that's number two, is that we live, we are hyper individualized. Now, am I just being a negative pastor? Am I just like, oh, culture's the worst? I'm not, because our culture is great. I love the country, I don't want to live anywhere else. But here's a practical example that just happened of how hyper individualized we are. So on TikTok, which is the source of all knowledge and truth, there was a woman that posted a recipe about bean soup, right? Earth shattering. She posts this, and it blows up and has millions of views and all these comments. So some people are like, oh, yeah, I love the soup. Thanks for the recipe, blah, blah. But here's where we know we're flipping into this, like it has to be about me. Social scientists are now doing studies on the what about me movement that they see happening in America. And this is one of the key things that they cite that just happened. All these people are commenting in on this bean recipe and saying, well, how do you make this recipe without beans? What if you're bean averse? Well, have you ever considered people that don't like beans or can't eat them because of their stomachs? Don't eat bean soup. Go look for another recipe that's not called bean soup. But what they're seeing happening in our culture is that we are so focused on ourselves that if something doesn't have anything to do with us, they're starting to see a surge in people commenting on the fact that it doesn't have anything to do with them. It bothers us so much that something's not about us that we need to point it out and say, well, what about me? Why doesn't this apply to me? Have you ever considered me? This is a weird phenomenon that we're seeing. But again, this is the road we're going down, all of us, Christians included, non-Christians, people in this room, people watching. We're all affected at some level or another by this. And it's why Christians say stuff like, well, at church, I don't know, I just didn't like the music, or I just didn't like, you know, I, I wasn't being fed, you know, or I don't know, somebody said something to me, or I don't know, I didn't really get anything out of that study, or I didn't understand that one sermon, or I didn't, and all those things are just about them personally, right? Because, again, we're hyper-individualized. We get everything the way that we want it all the time. And so we need to understand that these two things that I mentioned, they're not just like Pastor Kyle poo-poo like and culture. It's just like these are things that affect us in real time, in different ways, right, and at different levels. So I think it's important for us as Christians to remember this, and then also as we're trying to share Christ with people, we need to remember that this is part of their thinking as well, right, along with a million other things. But I thought just to help us answer this question, what is church and what does it mean to belong, there are two 
pretty significant obstacles to that. So then the question, though, is to kind of bounce back. What is church? So what I want to do is I want to show you some metaphors that the Bible gives. I want to try to understand that church is not this just clean little box of some place that you go and gather. What we do here is absolutely what you see happening in Scripture. It's the people of God gather together to hear the teaching of the apostles, right? Breaking bread together. It's things like that. It is the gathered people hearing the Word of God. You see that in the Old Testament. You see it in the New Testament. But it's so much more than that. And so the four main metaphors you see in the Bible, and a lot of them kind of fit under this, are here. You've got the body, right? Obviously, all the body parts need to be working as they are intended to. You have marriage uh, as a metaphor, as God intends it, not the messed up version that we have today that's just been wrecked by sin, right? Because people are like, oh, marriage, man, my marriage, or my past marriage, or whatever, my friend's marriage is a past marriage. It's like marriage is a messy thing today. But think about the, what God said in Genesis. It's a perfect union where two people will become one, physically, emotionally, right? That they're bonded together, and that picture is what Jesus and his church is like. You're, it's supposed to be perfect unity, right? That's the intent of marriage. And family is the same thing. Family can be very messy for a lot of us because we've been wounded by our family. Some of us hate our family. Some of us have been estranged from and cut out of our family. And it's like, man, if the church is supposed to be like that, no thanks. But again, what is the intent? What are we supposed to be like as a family? Loving and sacrificial for our spouse, right? Loving and sacrificial for our kids. Disciplining them, but not driving them crazy with how hard and harsh we are, Dad. Right? That's specifics that we get in Scripture. So the, another picture, another metaphor of the church, and then a building, right? Built up and all on the foundation of Jesus. So those are four kind of main groupings, but here's a bunch of other ones. And I want you to think, the Bible hits this from a lot of different places because I think God is trying to show you and me that church, again, not just a boxy thing. The church is, is this amazingly dynamic thing that we get to be a part of. And that's why there's so many pictures of it. So some of the other ones. A temple where the Spirit dwells. We are all churches, branches, connected to the vine of Jesus, right? That's what we're fed from. We're a household. Churches should be a pillar or a foundation of truth, First Timothy 3. We're exiles, right? That Peter calls us. We, you know, we're not at home here in this world. We're a holy nation, a royal priesthood. Again, Peter talking about those things. Jesus saying you're the salt of the earth. And then in the Sermon on the Mount is where he says that. And then he goes on talking about the light of the world we're supposed to be. John says when he talks to churches, he addresses to the elect lady, right? God's field where the work is being done, the olive tree, the lampstand, and finally the way. And this is not an exhaustive list. Not at all an exhaustive list. But see how many times the Bible is trying to hit these different angles. Like this church thing is just this wonderful, beautiful, powerful, messy thing that God says, I'm going to change the world with. And I want you to be a part of it. But I think in a lot of ways we've done this wrong. I think in America, we saw a reckoning during COVID where a lot of people that were just kind of like, eh, whatever, they just like faded away. And a lot of people that were just kind of like, yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian, I guess. And I feel like I'm, you know, I should go to church so I don't get the pastor mad at me and get a call from him and so I don't feel guilty and, you know, so Jesus doesn't get upset with me. And they really missed the point all along what church is meant to be. Because as Chris prayed, and as we say a lot around here, man, we should see church as somebody here needs you. And you need somebody here. You've got a story that matters that somebody probably needs to hear, and maybe you need to hear somebody else's story and get some encouragement from them. Or maybe you need a kick in the pants every now and then from somebody that can do it, right? Maybe, maybe we need that. But this is supposed to be this beautiful thing, man. We're all in, and we think differently, we act differently. And so one of the ones I didn't mention, but what I based the series off of, is this flock of sheep. I love this imagery here um, because 
I think this is pretty accurate. Because sheep tend to move around together a lot, right? They tend to be pretty tight-knit. Sometimes they're stinky and smelly. Sometimes when they get upset, they bite one another and they kick one another. And the shepherd has to come over and smack them with a rod, which sometimes Jesus has to do to us, right? And I think that you have this, this sense in a flock of sheep that is very, very good um, to, to bring over to what this is. Because we wander like sheep. Sometimes we do dumb things like sheep, right? And yet, the whole time, you have the good shepherd, Jesus Christ, loving us. And, so that, and that's what he calls us. That's how he refers to himself in John chapter 10. He says this. He starts off, I am the good shepherd. Right? That's Jesus. So he's claiming Psalm 23. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And now he's really laying this out. This is what Jesus is going to do. This is why he came. But here's the thing for if you are a church member, if you are a member here at Quaybog Church, you've come up, you've done this whole thing, you need to understand that Jesus is saying, and so if you were to follow my example, you need to be willing to lay your life down for fellow believers. This country, we don't have that concept. But if you live in a closed society around the world, you know that you're laying your life down. Like, that's what's happening. When you accept Christ as your Savior in some countries, that means you may have to sacrifice your life for another believer. Right? It's like, that's how real it is in some two-thirds of the world. And so when you see this here, it still needs for us, maybe you're not going to physically do it, but man, you need to be sacrificial for the body. Like, you need to be that caring for other church members. That should be the environment here. And so he goes on, and he repeats the same ideas. He just fleshes it out. I am a good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Right? That's what it means to be a part of the flock, is you're actually a follower of Christ. You're actually legitimately a Christian. And then verse 15. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, right? There's that kind of relationship that my followers have with me. And again, I lay my life down for the sheep. <clears throat> so this is who he is. This is how he loves us. This is how we're expected to love each other. But especially me as your pastor, and especially our other leaders in this church, that's how they are expected to love you as well. Leadership looks way different in the Christian world than it does in, in the executive world, or in the industrial world, or the financial world. It has to look way different. Right? So leadership has to be sacrificial, but we all need to do that. We all need to think like sheep. And then Paul, I'm going to read a couple passages from the Apostle Paul, because he was a church planter. So here's Jesus kind of setting the standard, like, this is who you are. This is what it looks like. You're under protection. You're under your account of all that. And then as the New Testament goes on, you have the church growing, and you have them trying to figure out what this thing is supposed to look like. And then Paul was a church planter. So he's writing lots of letters to Christians, and he's writing letters to churches. Hey, this is how you do this. Hey, dummies, would you stop doing that? That's terrible. You're not acting like Christians at all. So he's doing a lot of that stuff in these letters, and so that's why they're so good for us to lean into. And in the book of Ephesians, it starts out, he's writing to the churches in Ephesus. He's writing to a bunch of churches, and then Timothy was one of those pastors. He was one of the elders in Ephesus. So that's why you see Paul writing so much, is he's trying to help the church understand what it means to be the church and then how to structure themselves as followers of Jesus. So in Ephesians chapter 2, he says this. He says, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, right? So you're Christians now. You're not, you're not strangers to God. You're fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household. So he's using lots of different metaphors here to help them understand what they're now a part of. Because remember, this is all still very new back then. And he's trying to get them to understand, hey guys, you're not strangers to God. You're not foreigners to God. You're now a member. You're a citizen with the saints. And you're part of God's household. And then he goes on and he says, you're built on the foundation. Now we're into the building. You're built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as a cornerstone. 
That's who we should be. That's what we're doing here, right? Where this all has to be built on Jesus Christ, not on anything that we're doing, and then or just myself I'm doing. And then verse 21, in him the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. So he gives that metaphor, those three metaphors, and then a few chapters later, chapter five, he starts throwing out more metaphors about what the church is like. So he says in chapter five of Ephesians. Look, no one ever hates his own flesh, but provides and cares for it. Right? We feed ourselves, we take care of ourselves, we sleep and all that good stuff, right? Just as Christ does for the church. And since we are his members of his body, that's what he does for us, because the church is essentially his body. So again, it's more of these metaphors, and he goes on, and he says, For this reason, skipping gears, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. He's calling us back to the ideal of marriage, what the marriage should be. A man marrying a woman, becoming one, physically, spiritually, all that kind of stuff. You're united. And, he's, and then he closes by saying this. And this is a mystery. It's profound. But I'm talking about Christ and the church. So again, the unity, the power, the intent of what marriage is supposed to be, not what it's become, but what it is intended to be. This is the picture of the church that we're given. But we've gotten off in America. We've just turned it into just another... Association. We turn it into a social club. We turn it into us versus them. We turn it into you need to vote a certain way and think a certain way. But church is messy because it's meant to be, like Jesus said, a, a place for the sick. Right? It's meant to be a place for the sick. So people shouldn't be overly surprised if somebody shows up here and they're not acting right or they don't look right or they don't vote like us. Like, well, all right, but how about we understand that people are going to come where they come from and then we'll introduce them to Jesus and then we'll let the Holy Spirit do the work. We'll let the Word of God do that work on them rather than just trying to change them immediately before they even know who Jesus is, right? So there's this patience that comes with this. There's love that comes with this because we're on the same journey. And then this other one that Jesus gives, he says this in Matthew 16 and Matthew 18. And this one, as I thought about this week, was super heavy for me. This one was really convicting for me because I'd never really thought about it as deeply until I read a book called Church Membership, actually, and uh, over the last several weeks getting ready for this series. And here's what, so Peter, go, they go to Caesarea Philippi, a place that's kind of like northeastern Israel-ish. And they go there, and there's all this like pagan stuff, right? All these other gods and all this stuff that they're worshiping. And Jesus specifically takes his guys there, and he says, all right, who do people say I am? It's a good question. And so they say, well, they think this, they think this, they think this. And Jesus is like, all right, well, who do you say I am? And that's like, you know, he drills, like Jesus does, he always drills down, but who do you say I am? And Peter responds famously, he says, well, you're the Messiah, the Son of God. Right? So he makes his proclamation. He confesses. He understands who Jesus is. Jesus says, thumbs up. And then, because of that confession, Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 16. So given the keys of the kingdom to Peter in Matthew 16. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overpower it. So just to be clear... He's not saying that Peter is going to be the, the, the thing, the person that he builds the church on. Peter just got done making a confession about who Jesus is. So what Jesus is saying is, I'm going to build my church on confessing Christians. Not fake Christians, not people who know me but don't follow me. I'm going to build my church on people that confess that I am the Messiah, that I am Lord, and I am their Savior. So there's a lot, a lot of people out there that say they're Christians because culturally they are. But what Jesus is saying is like, no, 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 you can't just say, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian because I've always been a Christian. I'm a Christian because my dad was a deacon or my mom was a pastor or whatever. Like, none of that matters. Jesus is saying, I will build my church on actual followers of mine, 
that have said, yes, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, I need a Savior, you're that Savior, and I put my faith and my trust in you for this life and the next. That's what becoming a Christian means. And so that's what he's saying. On that confession, and people that confess it, he's going to build something that's wildly powerful that not even how itself will stand again. And then, this is where it got heavy for me. I'll give you the keys in the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven. And he goes on, and he says, and whatever you loose on earth will have been loose in heaven. That's a very confusing verse. So what is he talking about there? There's two things that Jesus is getting at here, and this is where the weight comes for the church. He's saying, first and foremost, your testimony, Christians, your testimony, your witness, outside of these walls, and when people come to stuff that we do, is going to either close the door or it's going to open the door to them, to the kingdom. That's what keys do. So he's saying your witness is important. How you live your life matters, fellow Christian. And don't act like it doesn't. Don't act like nobody's watching when you're being fake, when you leave here and you're being hypocritical, when you go to work and you're a jerk and you treat your employees like trash or you're watching porn and you're doing all these things, you're addicted to stuff and you don't care how you live your life. It doesn't matter because our witness is, is important. Our witness as a church is going to open or close the doors. And it also means as a church we have a responsibility, and this is one that weighs heavy on my heart, to say, all right, these are people that we can recognize as being followers of Jesus. So what I did today with Nate and Kelly was I brought them up here before you and I said, as a church, as a pastor, your leaders here are going to vouch for these people that they are actually following Jesus Christ. Like, that's a really heavy weight for me as your pastor. Every time I stand up in front of the church and do that, I'm vouching for them. And I've done it for all of you that I've ever stood up next to you and done that. With, and it's like, okay, this is somebody that you can look to. It's like, yeah, they're following Jesus. This is an example. We know these people belong to him. And now we're putting our stamp on it. So it's a big deal for me as your pastor. But because of that, because of this keys idea, the keys to the kingdom, I would love for you to think this way. This is not in the Bible, but I'd love for you to think this way. Look at this picture here. So this is the United, this is seal of the United States of America, what? Embassy. What is an embassy? When you go to an embassy in a foreign country, what does that embassy represent? What does that seal represent? Just that building? Just those people there? It represents the United States of America. And so if you are overseas and you get in trouble as an American citizen, where should you go? The embassy. So if you don't know that, go to the embassy. If you get in trouble overseas, go to the embassy. Because that represents the United States of America. That represents a safe place, a safe haven when you're overseas. The church should see itself, and I, I, I honestly think the church has forgotten this fact, that we should see ourselves as an outpost like an embassy. That when people see us, they are immediately associating us with God and with Jesus. And do you act like that? When you leave here, when people come in here, do you see yourself as a safe haven where people can go and find Jesus Christ? That people can go and see the kingdom? Because they're going to see that whether or not you want to acknowledge that in your life. That you represent a kingdom. You are a citizen of a kingdom. And so, when people attack these overseas, they're not attacking that building because they don't like the people in it, do they? Who are they attacking? They're attacking the United States of America. And churches are the same way. Sometimes we're just going to be attacked, and you're personally going to be attacked because of the kingdom that you represent. It's not just you. It's the kingdom you represent. But the way we love, the way we are empathetic, the way we come alongside people, the way we are involved in our community, the way we point people to hope and truth, all that stuff should be done with the mindset that I really am an ambassador of Christ. The way you are here matters. When people come to this church, I love hearing how loved they are, how people talk to them, how different it is here. 
Like that's us being like the embassy that we're supposed to be, the ambassador that we're supposed to be. But we got to take that to our homes and our jobs as well. Because here's a few things to think about. Just a quick couple hits. If this is a, if this is, it's not a voluntary club that we're part of. And and too often I've done this in the past myself. I just treat it as a voluntary club. It's a it's a mechanic. It's Xfinity, right? It's Verizon. It's just something I go to when I need help or when I need a team up or something. But rather than seeing it as a vital necessity. But if you see it as a voluntary club, here's some things that are going to be true of you. Next slide. So, yep, keep going. And so you're not going to serve, you're not going to connect, and you're not going to pour into others. If you're just here because you need something, you're here to be fed, or you're here to, you know, for the music or the preaching or whatever, and it's really just about you, it's going to be really easy to disassociate from everybody here and just get what you need and then peace out. Because that's all it is. It's just a voluntary organization that you come to for what you want. Next, uh, you're not going to be uh, like really that upset about missing a month or two. Because again, you're just going to see it as something that you're going to and get to getting something out of. But what we're trying to help us understand here is that it is about the people. It's not just about me. It's not just about me wanting to see you. It's, uh, as we always say, somebody here does actually need you. And as you grow and as you make yourself more vulnerable, you're going to realize that you need somebody else. That's what church is supposed to be. It's that worship, connection, and service that we all do together. It's that outpouring of God's love and being intentional about that. Now, I'm not talking about like you're sick or you've got crazy work stuff going on or you're a snowbird. You're, like, there are things like I get. Like, there's some things I get. I understand. So don't be like, oh, man, I, you know, whatever. No, no, no. I'm just saying you don't care to come. You don't want to come. You just, your slippers are too comfortable in the morning. And you just, man, you want to make it. But, man, the coffee's warm and my feet are cozy. And we're just making excuses because we just, we don't really care about the body. And yeah, I'm stepping on toes. I hope I am, because I want you to see this through Jesus' eyes, how important you are together. I want you to see that. But if we see it as something vital, we'll go the other route. Yep. We must serve one another. Like, man, I'm just, I have to serve people. I have to connect, and I have to pour into others. Even if it's just one or two people, when you see yourself as being a part of something vital, like all those metaphors, you're going to want to play whatever role God has given you. That's the importance and the power of the local church. And then next. You're also going to say, like, I'm going to plan my weekend and my schedule around fellow believers. And I know this can be really awkward for a pastor to preach these things, but it's not about me. It's about Jesus working through his people that are here. That's so important and powerful. People grow so much when they begin to connect together, because I can't connect with everyone. And then lastly, you're going to start to smell a lot like sheep. You're going to start to smell like each other. You're going to start to be in the muck and the mire with one another. But what, this makes, what makes this all so difficult, though, is that we are not just called to belong to a church. We are called to submit to a church. So when we have an understanding of what church is, we understand that we're putting ourselves under the authority of that church. And what I'm not talking about is some tyrannical leader who gets to do and say whatever he wants. Ephesians 5.21 says, Submit to one another out of your reverence for Christ. It's the people. It's always about the people and relationship. And leaders need to facilitate that. And leaders need to lead well and lead with humility and understand that people, when they become members, are submitting themselves to one another and also to my leader as a pastor here. And man, that's an incredibly heavy weight that I don't take lightly at all. Like, I constantly think about how am I serving other people? How am I pointing them to Jesus? How am I pointing people away from me? Giving away influence, giving away opportunity, because this is not about me. It's about Jesus and his people. But that word submit is like a for a lot of people. And we're going to talk more about church leadership in the weeks ahead. So, as we uh, wind down here, what is a church? Now that we kind of at least maybe hopefully somewhat, a little bit better, understand what church is, what does it mean to actually be a member? So this is what I said this morning. 
of Nate and Kelly. Next. Here's what I'm saying as a church. Here's what we say as church members, those of you that are uh, official members. We recognize your profession of faith, so you're actually a Christian. You've taken the step of baptism, public profession of that faith, and you are discipling yourself, right? You are growing in your relationship with Jesus. So that's valid. We recognize all those things. Therefore, we publicly affirm you as a citizen of his kingdom. That's, that's what that means. And then you as a person are also saying something. You're saying, I recognize you as a faithful gospel-declaring church, and I submit my presence here and my discipleship to your love and oversight. So, to summarize what that means, church is saying, we take responsibility for you, and then you are saying, I take responsibility for this church. And that is a really different way of looking at church than most people have. Most people really don't think that way. Like, I'm, I'm responsible for this church because I'm a member here, right? I'm responsible for loving and caring and reaching out, writing notes, making phone calls, hitting people up through messengers visiting, whatever the thing might be, right? I'm responsible for those things as well. And that's what Jesus gave us. And I think that's what I'm trying to really communicate is this, this ownership of all of us, of the body, the body operating as it should be. So ultimately, who should be a church member? Christians. Christians should be. Because this is what you see in the New Testament. That's, that's what the New Testament is about. Acts, planting churches, all the other books in the New Testament, mostly written to churches, Right? two churches, how to operate, how to lead, how to love, how to live out their faith. That's what we see in the New Testament. And in the close, this is what we, he said. Jesus said we should be like this. And I really want to emphasize this because this is something that gets lost easily in churches. At the end of the day, what should we be like? And this is what Jesus said in the upper room, last supper with his guys. This is how he starts off that whole entire speech with his guys in the last supper. He says, I give you a new command, John 13. Love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. This is not a suggestion. This is if you are a follower of Jesus, if you are a Christian, you better be loving one another. You better be doing that sacrificially like our Savior did. And he said, the reason we do this is by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. So it should start here. There's a reason church it, like people get wounded by churches on for a reason, because a lot of times people are not doing this, right? They're being clicky, they're being judgmental, like they're not trying to help somebody. They're just judging them for whatever they're doing. And then sometimes because of our own woundedness, we don't we have too much pride to actually take that and say, okay, am I actually doing that? And so we're not doing this as Jesus said we should. But if we are, we're going to smell a lot like sheep. We're going to be in this together. That should be church. But we gotta be man, we gotta be forgiving of each other, we gotta be patient with one another. Like with people, we're messy, right? We are messy and but Jesus is in the midst of this. And this can be a very powerful thing if we do this right. But to do it right, we gotta smell like sheep. So here's my, my closing question for you today. I want you to think about. So first, if you are a member of this church, are you taking this this stuff as seriously as you should? Are you seeing yourself as an ambassador? Are you seeing yourself as being a part of an embassy? And when everybody sees us, they're seeing the kingdom. Right? We're painting a picture. Right or wrong, we're painting a picture of a kingdom. Do you see yourself as that? Second, if you're faithfully following Jesus today, what's keeping you from joining? Because that's you taking a step of obedience and saying, all right, I, yes, I am. I'm going to step under the authority of this church. I'm going to be a part of this church. I'm going to be accountable to its people. I'm going to be here and be committed to this local body and this community because that's what we see in Scripture. That's the power that Jesus said. There's something about the church that's different from what is given to individual Christians. 
And I want to make it clear, it's not just about Pastor Kyle. It's not about me at all. It's about us and it's about Jesus. Right? And that's what he calls us to. So what is, if you pay for a following, what's keeping you from? And then thirdly, because I never want to take this for granted, if you're not a Christian, if you're watching today, if you're in the room, what's keeping you from joining the family that I've been describing today? Never want to take it for granted. There's people watching, there's people here I know that haven't made that decision yet to follow Christ. But it's, it's saying, look, I, I can't do this on my own. It's saying that I need a Savior. I know I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Jesus is that Savior. The whole purpose of the is give me eternal life. He gave me life in this life and life in the next. So if you haven't done that today, if you're watching again or if you're in the room, come talk to me. Like, there's something that, that is offered, powerful, and hope-filled to you. So let me close and pray on that. So Jesus, I just pray that, given what we see in the New Testament, Lord, given what we see in your Word, God, that we would be faithful to that. God, that we would have a real burden to be a, an incredible representative if we are followers of Jesus, Lord. And that knowing that making a decision to follow your Word and connect with the local church is a powerful thing. God, there is protection there. There's accountability there. There's encouragement there, Lord. There's so many things, God, that we need your help to be right. So as I always pray, Jesus, I pray that your Holy Spirit is going to do the work that only you can in us to make the changes, to make the corrections, to give the healing, whatever it is that we need, Lord. And I'm praying that, Lord, in your powerful name, because you tell us to. You tell us to pray in your name. So today we do. And I pray that in your name, Jesus Christ, I'll see you. Amen. All right. So we got for today. Love you guys. God bless. Once again, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to the podcast so you get notified of new content every week. Remember, we want to help you worship, connect, and serve. So if you live in the central Massachusetts area, we would love for you to engage with us on Sundays. For more information, service times, and details about our children's and youth ministries, visit us at quaybogchurch.org. Have a blessed week.